Mungkin anda sudah mendengar kalau kita kedatangan tamu tadi undang. Selamat bekerja dan jangan lupa bersenang-senang. to yet another installment of this podcast, which we have called Hollywood Hits and Kung Fu Kicks. My name is Nathaniel. My name is Ethan. And we are the hosts of this podcast, as you might have discerned from the fact that we're the ones talking right now. Mostly me at the moment, but he'll, Ethan will chime in every so often. And the reason I'm going to be talking more this week is because this week we're talking about a martial arts film. We're doing my half of the podcast this week. We're doing a seminal film from 2011, one of my favorite martial arts movies ever. So glad we're talking about this movie. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about The Raid. The Raid. The Raid. Redemption. Colon Redemption. It's called The Raid Redemption because the studio uh, meddled with it and wanted to add the subtitle, even though it's stupid. <laughs> like, it makes it sound like a sequel. It's pretty dumb. Yes. But The Raid Redemption. It's a film directed by Gareth Evans. A Welshman. A Welshman. He's from Wales, and he lived in Indonesia for a while. He was living in Indonesia when he made this movie. He's the director of movies such as Merantau, his first movie, with the star of this movie, Iko Huayas, who we'll talk about later. Uh, the Raid 1 and 2, obviously. He directed a movie on Netflix that, if you have Netflix, you can go and watch it if you want. It's called Apostle. It stars Dan Stevens. It's a very graphic horror movie. Gothic horror? Not gothic. I don't know. It's very different from anything he's made before, but it's good. And then he directed another horror thing, directed the Safe Haven short uh, of the movie VHS 2. That's also very good. And Gareth Evans uh, is a somewhat interesting guy in that he is a man from Wales who uh, <laughs> broke out into the movie industry making martial arts movies in Indonesia, which is, you know, very unique thing. Not very many people can say that. Pretty sure he's the only one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't think so. Yeah. Very unique career path. Yep, it's very unique. Um and the reason he got into martial arts movies, apparently, is early in his career, he was hired to direct a documentary about the martial arts uh, uh, discipline Penchak Salat, which is, you know, what is what that martial art is called that is used in most of this movie. And he became fascinated with it. Uh, he really liked it. He decided, oh, I want to make a movie about this. Um, he discovered the star of this movie, Iko Uwais. Uh He was working as a delivery man for a phone company uh, when they first met. And he went and saw him, you know, for this documentary, he went and saw him do his forms and do his martial arts. Um, he was struck by this guy and, you know, decided he had some screen presence and charisma, which he does to an extent, in my opinion. And uh, he put him in his first movie, Merantau, in 2009. And that was his first 
wasn't his first feature length movie. That's a, that's a, that's a movie called footsteps. Um, uh, but it was, uh, it, the first big action martial arts movie that really broke him out into the scene that he, where he is, um, most, uh, prominent today. I think it's fair to say that he's still seen as sort of a martial arts person, even though he's done other things. Um, but he, when making this movie after Marantau, he originally wanted to make a crime prison movie with the hat action martial arts in it. And that movie was supposed to be called Brandau, which some of you might know that is the subtitle for the raid too. Um, but the budget, uh, they, they assumed they would be working with a bigger budget when the studio that they were working with cut their budget. They decided to uh, go with their backup plan, which was to make the raid, which is much smaller scale film, but just one building. They could reuse a lot of sets. A lot of this movie is sets. Apparently uh, they shot exteriors in some places and uh, you know, some of the stairways were real from a real building, but it was scaled way back uh, for that reason. And um, they ended up with this tight hour, 40 minute movie. And it's just, Nothing but action and most of the way through. Simplicity. It's so simple. All they have to do with this movie to make it good is get the action right. And they definitely did. Because the people they got for this movie are fucking amazing. Okay? All the people involved. They have this... Uh, they shot with camcorders mostly. Or like, you know, handheld cameras. Uh, cinematographers. Two guys by the name of Matt Flannery and... Dimas Imam Subono, hope I said that right, uh, they really inject a lot of kinetic uh, oh, yeah. thump to a lot of the hits in this movie, pretty much all of them, actually. Yeah. And uh, the, what they're able to do with just the handheld, you know, and, and making use of these little tricks, you know, like they need to shoot from on high, stand on a table, whatever. I literally just finished watching the uh, director's commentary for this movie before we started directing this. It's very all very fresh in my mind. They used a lot of low-budget tricks to cut down on the amount of uh, budget they would have to spend. They only had like seven days total to use big equipment. So they wanted to like, that's one of the big expenses of yes. these movies is, yeah. is, is camera equipment. Yeah, Cause they're very expensive. Yes. So they only had seven days total. So they had to very carefully decide when they were going to use that stuff if they needed to use it. And so uh, they ended up using a lot of these, uh, you know, little DIY tricks, you know, dollies made of, <laughs> made of wheelchairs and whatnot. Uh, for for a lot of the shit in this movie, um, a quick little fun fact before I go on with this, uh, Evans Gareth Evans was supposed to direct a Deathstroke movie in the uh, in the Zack Snyderverse DC. I'm sure he was attached in, Joe the, in the mid twenty tens. Yes, after this, yes he was. <laughs> after this, for sure. And you know, it's just, that's just one of those things where I really wish that would have happened. It sucks that yeah, because come on, imagine having seen this movie. Imagine that movie. Like, sure. they just made that an R-rated movie with Deathstroke. That would be amazing, right? Uh, but yeah, anyway, on with the rest of the people involved in this movie. Uh, the star of it, his name's Equal Weiss. He's, you know, I think probably the best or highest uh, profile modern martial arts star that has emerged out of, you know, the 2010s or whatever. Somebody who emerged in the 2010s. I don't think there's anybody more high profile than this guy. His grandfather was a, like actual master of Silat, founded his own Silat school. He started practicing from very, very young age. He's won several professional competitions, you know, this martial art. And, uh, you know, again, he was just working as a delivery 
driver for this phone company. That's and crazy. Never met him. It's crazy. He's got that guy off the street. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's crazy how a lot of people got involved in this movie. This guy, this other guy, the guy who plays long hair, uh, credited as Mad Dog. You know, the guy. Yes. He's the main bad guy. Exactly. He's, yeah. he's insane, short guy. Yeah. That guy's name is Yayan Ruhian. Yayan Ruhian. I'm going to... Pretty sure that's right, but I apologize if it's not. He uh, is another person who's been practicing Salat for a long time. He was once in charge of training people for the Indonesian Presidential Security Service in the eight, in the late 80s and early 90s. Wow. And he became involved in the stunt industry uh, just by uh, working on, you know, small little action films in Indonesia. And, uh, you know, he ran his own Salat school as well and eventually he got involved with this movie. And now he's also you know, got a pretty lucrative career in, in Hollywood as an actor and, you know, stunt martial artist. Uh, and then the last big, you know, high profile person actor wise to come out of this movie is a guy named Joe Tadslam, who you might recognize as a uh, sub zero from mortal Kombat, Um, yeah. and several other movies he's been in since this. Um, he is the guy who plays the uh, second in command cop the guy's name is Jaka. In the movie, um, he's the one who fights long hair in the beginning. Yeah, no, I've never recognized him as yes. some zero. He is, he's great, man. Yeah. He's, he's actually got, I think, the most screen presence and charisma of anybody in this movie, in my opinion. Equal Wise has got a fair amount, but this guy, this guy pops in movies. You know, he's just got a face. Um, and weirdly enough, he is not really a, a huge Salat person. He's a judo champion from Indonesia. Mm, um, that was his martial arts background. Uh, and the way he got involved with this movie is that he had been in one or two movies before, very, very low profile as like a stunt person, actor, martial artist. And he contacted Gareth Evans through Facebook, through Facebook after Marantau, because he said, yo, I love Marantau. I want to be in whatever your next movie is. Evans says he like scrolled through some images of him and saw an image of him in like a SWAT uniform. and was like, that's the guy I want to play this character in my movie. He yeah. fits perfectly. So it's yeah. also uh, very much just Facebook is just the internet in yeah. a lot of other countries. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's crazy yep. how much it's been embedded in yeah, that. For real. Yeah. It's, it's just the way some of these people got involved in this movie. is just like so like, yeah, I mean, like it just adds to the, the whole like just small scrappy nature of this movie. Really? And where like when you think about when you just think about like about the, you know, the sets, because like if you think about it for a second, like, yeah, these hallways kind of look the same. Yes. But it has the much of the mise-en-scene that you're like, you think it's an actual real building. Yeah. See, like. That's something he talked about in the in the uh, in the commentary. Is that okay? We want to make it's the same. We're reusing the set for the hallway, but we need to make it or shoot it in a way that where it looks different. Shoot it from different angles every time you're you're supposed to be on a different building. Uh, they like for the doors, like in the building, they would just replace the numbers like six, seven, eight. You know, for the room numbers, make it see you know small details like that. Right, right. there's like little flickering lights. Um, on one quote unquote floor and on another is different. It's, it's, they get a lot out of, you know, very little with this movie. Yes. You know? Like you said, the mise en scene, per really great in this movie. Um, and, uh, you know, it's about as much behind the scenes context. I mean, there's, there's some more that I will get into while we're talking about the movie, but we can just start talking about the movie now, I guess. Yeah. You can get uh, into it. Because, uh, the, like one of the first scenes of this movie is just like Equal Wyas's character 
getting ready for his mission, saying goodbye to his wife who's pregnant, blah, 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 setting up the stakes, whatever. Uh, he prays briefly, and Evans made note during the, uh, the commentary. He said, uh, uh, let me see, he wanted to portray him as being Muslim because working with all these people from Indonesia, he... Uh, it wasn't really a political thing. It was more of just like, oh, I wanted to portray. I mean, that's like a matter of fact, vast majority religion. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. So yeah. he just wanted to like I mean, portray like as, a, yeah. Yeah, as like a matter of fact. Oh, this is just a part of daily life thing. Um, he just wanted to include that little moment there uh, just because he came to have a lot of respect mm-hmm. for all the people he worked with. It's the highest population Muslim majority country in the world. Yes, sir. So. Makes a lot of sense. Yep. Um, they shot this movie with camcorders yes, for most of it. Mm-hmm. You can really tell. Yeah, you can tell. The cinematography of this movie is uh, either very exact or very just, you know. <laughs> frenetic. <laughs> yeah, very frenetic. <laughs> Let's say that. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's a quick little scene setting up the stakes. Uh, five minutes in, we've got uh, the mob boss shooting five people in the back of the head. <laughs> It's the first little spurt of violence we get. It's yeah. like literally five minutes and 15 seconds into the movie. Yeah. It's five oh. people getting shot. Well, it's the, it's when the cops are, they, 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 the right people are starting to, to roll in and yeah. they, they immediately get mm-hmm. ambushed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And this guy, this crime boss, like executing these guys, like, <laughs> like gang style executions, apparently that was like their backup plan. Their original idea was that, you know, like there's an atrium, Whereas, like, on every floor you go up, there's, like, the square, you know, that yes. where you fall down. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the original idea was that they were going to have five guys standing on a plank of wood that is suspended over this big gap. And then they would have nooses on the, back, on the like, on their necks, and they would, like, push them off. And that, that was the original idea for these guys, like, get, instead of just getting shot in the head. That's crazy. Apparently, they didn't have the budget. Apparently, one of the, the joke was, like, the first four their ropes were going to be like just short enough so that they wouldn't hit the ground. But the last guy's rope was too long and he just hits the ground. And the joke would be like, damn it. I told you the rope was too long. Apparently that was supposed to be the punchline for that whole scene. That's they just weird. did not have the, the, the money to accomplish that. Cause it would have required obviously, you know, a bit more stunt work and, and visual effects work to make that work. But um, yeah, they, they apparently um, just went with just shooting guys in the back of the head. Um, but yeah, um, we go. The raid starts. The, the, the titular raid, the raid. begins. Um, these guys start nerfing people silently, stealthily. Um, the, he made note that there was, for some of these shots, some of these longer takes, there was no way to view them from an external monitor while they were shooting them. So they would just have to wait until the shot was over and pray that they got it right. And yeah. When the shot was over. Yeah. Have to because you're, you're using personal camera, yeah. personal you're, video you're nothing, you, There's nothing you can you're, do. You're, so. like, you're not going to have any wires running all when, when you're just moving a tiny camera yeah. like, throughout all this stuff. There's no, right. there's no wires. So there's there. like a couple of longer takes towards the beginning of the scene where they all get out of the car, where he made note of that. Um, they make their way through the building, start arresting some red shirts or whatever. Uh, and then this kid sees them. And then there's this, um, very slow motion shot, very intentionally uh, dramatic shot of this kid running. One of the cops shoots at him and then he gets shot in the neck, basically in slow motion. Um, but it's out of focus when that happens. And Evans uh, talked about like, oh, you know, we, we 
whenever you kill a kid in your movie, you really want to be careful about it. So it was just like, oh, a lot of the, a lot of violence in this movie is very like unrestrained and graphic, but that was the one part where I was just like, okay, a kid getting shot, let's have that be out of focus. Let's have that be the one thing of restraint we do in terms of the, of the violence in this movie. Yeah, and like, it was yeah. still pretty shocking. It was pretty shocking, all things considered, because it's literally a shot of a bullet going through a door and through a child's neck. Like, it's still yeah, pretty, it's like, pretty, yeah. 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 Um, and this is where we start hearing some of the music in this movie. I don't know if you remember, but uh, after that shit, you know, everything goes to shit. A bunch of guys start shooting through the windows. Um, <laughs> there are two guys doing their doing a bit in the truck, in the uh, the police truck. We're just like, oh, man, last night's sports game. Not good, was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you shot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the music in those scenes apparently was the result of a little bit of studio meddling. Sony wanted uh, their house guys to compose a new score for the movie. And Gareth Evans, surprisingly enough, when he talked about it on the commentary, he was just like, oh, yeah, you know, I, these guys had a lot of the same influences I had in terms of the music. And it actually worked out pretty good. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy with the music in the American version of the movie. It's basically what he said. Yeah. This is, um, <laughs> this is Sony Pictures classic. It's yes. fucking wild yep, <laughs> compared to like everything else they put out. Yeah, man. I mean, they took a flyer. Yeah. On this one mm-hmm. paid off, I guess. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, they, they have, uh, you know, they have rights to seminal film forever. So, yep. um, so yeah, stuff starts going to shit. Um, the influences of this movie, he took uh, a second to talk about them during the middle of this scene. They are apparently uh, include such films as Die Hard, Escape from New York, Assault on Precinct 13. Yeah, well, I mean, I was just yeah. about to say The Killing the Kid. Yeah. Uh, the Warriors, which is there's a shot in this movie where uh, the main bad guy speaks into a microphone. You only see his mouth. Yeah. Uh, that happens a lot in The Warriors with the uh, radio uh, host or whatever. And he said, oh, that was my inspiration for that scene. Assault on Precinct 13, again. Sing it in one location. Yep. Makes a lot of sense (laughs) that he likes that movie. Um, Yeah. So uh, he also briefly talks in the scene about using sound to create a sense of unease and terror through a lot of this movie. Um, It's either a lot of silence right before something big and violent happens or just like score, just droning, very ominous score. uh, And some of the more horror tinged scenes. Seeing where the first shootout happens, it's just like uh, the slow motion shot of just like the cops are on one level in the atrium. The bad guys are on a, like like the level above them. Nobody can see each other. And then just one person shoots one bullet and then everything just like explodes uh, and like 15 people get shot yeah. in the first fight scene. Because like there's like 20 cops who go into the building and then the main players are like four or five people. So yeah. Like, kill off the rest like of these guys. All kill off like yeah. immediately. <laughs> very, very quickly. Yes. Um, and uh, the way they shoot this film, um, I like that a lot of the first 30 minutes of the action of this movie is just like them using using their guns. Yes. Because there, there has to be an excuse for them to not have guns later in the movie. Right. And so it's just like, oh, the excuse is they just ran out of bullets because they just shot all their bullets. That yeah, there's guns. so many. There's so many people. They kill, they like, they kill like 40 people at the beginning of this movie or something like that because there's a huge, expl- like they get trapped into a room. Uh, they use an axe to destroy the floor of that room and then they go down into the another floor and they just like constantly getting shot at and then eventually they just uh, uh, take a, a gas canister from under a stove, put it in a fucking <laughs> fridge, 
and then explode it and then just kill everybody on that floor. And then that's like, by that point, there's like four or five cops left and they're all out of bullets. And then after that, it's just like, you know, fighting all the way through. There's really, in terms of plot, not a lot to talk about with this movie. What there is, is basically um, this main guy, Equal Wise's character, talks about, uh, or rather he has a brother, basically. And this guy, you don't know who he is, but then you find out that he is... uh, one of sort of the right-hand man of this um, crime boss who's in this building who uh, they're trying to get. And then the other guy, Mad Dog, is his other right-hand man who's actually just insane and crazy. Um, and basically, they just, you know, it's, there's a family drama happening there. There's really not, in terms of plot, with this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one, one one brother is in the criminals and one yeah. brother's in the cops. Yeah, basically. Pretty, yeah, pretty basic. Yeah. Uh, but... By this point, Equal Elias is helping this other guy who has been severely injured in the explosion, you know, through a hallway. And this is when the first fight scene happens in the movie. This is like the first true fight scene of the movies. This happens in this hallway. He's got a knife and like a stick. He just destroys like nine or ten people in, a, in like within four or five minutes. It's insane. I love it so much. The choreography is amazing. Apparently, they used a lot of storyboards uh, they had, had to have yes like was not surprised to learn yeah. that um, and it makes sense you know in terms of, of just how exacting all of the choreography in this movie is and just you know some of the safety oriented stuff that they did like there's a shot in this scene where a guy gets his head slammed into a tile wall like five times going up and down just like that yeah and um, the, the, the camera is moving with his yes, head yes and uh, apparently they uh, had to map out all this stuff in previs to know where to put the padding and put all the safety shit that people were going to get slammed into um, so that wall was like prepared beforehand it was like fake tile there was padding underneath it uh, they put a little bit of CG blood on. Or actually, no, it wasn't CG blood. They attached a pack of fake blood to the side of this guy's head and then slammed his face into a real wall that was padded up, but still, you know, yeah. real wall so that the blood would be on the on the wall. So, yeah, man, the violence in this movie is brutal and really like just like cringed, cringy to watch, you know, like not. Yeah, not, you know, physical reaction. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of that stuff in this movie, like. Yeah, one of my favorite scenes uh, happens immediately after where the guy who's been injured, they bring him into this like uh, apartment that is inhabited by this like, you know, civilian, innocent person. They hide him in the walls. Yeah, this this is just where I start like where the jaw jaw drops down. Yeah, for real. (laughs) Because like first thing that happens is that like these machete guys come in. Um, and they start stabbing a machete through the wall and he, they like cut Iku Wise's face just barely. And then he has to wipe the blood off the machete before he pulls it out of the wall to make sure they don't get caught. And then after they leave, they bring this guy out. Um, there's this practical effect where they lift up his shirt, lift up his shirt to see like how injured he is. And there's just this like horrible oozing green gangrenous wound that they're just trying to like, <laughs> that they're just trying to, to like. Uh, uh, deal with and uh, <laughs> there's a little moment in this scene where he's just like oh you need to go find me a knife or something sharp and the guy comes back and says this is all I have and it's like a dull butter knife and the guy's just like fuck you look again <laughs> apparently that one actor the guy who's injured is more known in Indonesia for being a comedian being a comic actor or whatever he's part of a comedy group it's weird yes. weird right yes. um, yeah. but uh, yeah that's what Evan said um, 
but yeah, it's it's insane. Just, uh, just the level of detail they put. It's just this one little tiny practical effect. It was a practical effect. They they like, you know, uh, I mean, like a plaster thing. Just made a little bit of goop or gack or whatever, you know. Um, and so, yeah, there's like, he keeps referring to it as a survival horror movie. You know, a movie that is like, oh, once I understood that this was like, a horror movie and it just happened to be martial arts and just people and not monsters or whatever, I could like really um, like hone in on the tone of the film and, and what I wanted it to look like and feel like a lot of the time. And it was really interesting to hear him talk about that, especially given that he likes Assault on Precinct 13, which yeah. is which a is horror good. movie, yeah, really, yeah. in the same vein where it's just people, you know? People um, real enemies. Yeah. So it's, it's very interesting how some of those little threads sort of connect sometimes. Um, but yeah, no, and th- then there's another fight uh, with the guys that all have the machetes and uh, he kills all the guys with the machetes in very spectacular fashion. Um, and then after that, there's the fight with uh, Mad Dog. The first one, the guy with uh, Joe Taslam. And Yaya Ruyan, um, which is just amazing. It's so, I mean, I keep talking about the choreography in this movie, how the movie doesn't really like work unless the fight scenes are like kinetic and nonstop. Like in a lot of other movies, the fight scenes will go on. There'll be a moment where they'll just like take stock and look at each other. Um, and Gareth Evans said he wanted to avoid that and just have it be like, you know, obviously in real life, nobody could last this long in a fight without just falling over exhausted, but real fights in the street don't just end. Like they don't end until somebody's just like done fighting. Right. So they, there's not moments in fights where a person will just like take yeah. or whatever, or just be, you know, there'll be a dramatic moment. He just wanted to have the fight exactly. to be as realistic. It just helps you feel keep to keep this like, the, just like the crazy fast pacing of this movie where it's just like everything just, it just keeps coming and going. Yeah, man. I don't know. I've been talking a lot. You got anything to say so far? Um, yeah, I just feel like my, the thing I was most impressed with throughout all these scenes is just like how meticulous every, all the cameras are placed yeah. and all the different shots they pull yeah. off. It's just like, the, I mean, this is probably during the other fight with, with, with the people with the guns, but, like, mm-hmm. when they use, like, multiple levels where, like, they, like, go, yeah. go through the floor, yeah, through the floor, floor go down yeah. to another level, then the, or the camera's following yeah. them, they have people placed, like, I mean, I assume that's why you have two guys everywhere yeah. doing stuff, and mm-hmm. then just have this all, all this stuff cut together. Yeah, man. I like, I mean, obviously, like, Mad Max Fury Road is one of my favorite movies, and that kind of, that takes that kind of style of editing, and that, that's where it just like it just this movie sings so much this, oh, this movie had and how it's all put together yeah this movie had kind of a large impact on how action movies were sort of shot and choreographed or at least some action movies you know what I mean this movie and John Wick both had huge influence I think over just the way action movies would start looking like later like in the in yeah the everyone wants to be John Wick now yeah and now that Russian the Russian the Russian guy who directed Hardcore Henry, yeah. nobody. Yep. He just wants to be John Wick. Yeah, and he made Fronten. You know what? For what? For what it is. Brief aside. You know what? Nobody. Pretty good John Wick ripoff. All things considered, pretty decent. You know, pretty fun. I gotta protect my family. Yep. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> 
you know, I'm thinking I'm back. I can't. I can't, do <laughs> you can't. How do you do him? You can't. It's, he's impossible. You anyway, can't do him. Uh, but yeah, there's also a ripoff of this movie called Jailbreak that we might talk about in the future later. Um, very interesting to look at. That's weird. It is. It's, it's so... I'm excited to talk about that at some point in the future, too. But yes, okay. This movie's just got great camera work. Um, Joe Taslam, again, like I said, is a judo kind of person. Somebody whose martial arts background is just that. So apparently in this fight scene, um, he like... And I noticed it this time. He, he like works a lot with his upper body and like punching. He doesn't do a lot of kicking. He does a lot of like judo throws. And this other guy, this, this other guy, Yaya Gryon, is really just like a fucking insane beast of a martial artist because he's just like doing insane acrobatic stuff in every scene he's involved in. And you could, he just, you could believably beat the shit out of like a larger person. It's like not like, you know, he's a smaller dude, all things considered. Um, like in real life, he's just like short, but you like get the, he believably sells the fact that he could like beat the shit out of much larger people. You know what I mean? Um, so after this is, uh, uh, the Berlin brawl, big giant brawl in the drug lab involving three cops and many drug dealers. Uh, none of whom have guns. By the way, the, the thing about this movie is that, like, the cops, they explain why the cops don't have their guns anymore. The the criminals not having guns anymore, they just never explain. Like, once the cops lose their guns, they're criminals. Because there's, like, so many guns. more floors that yeah. you go through. People yeah. that just were not involved in the action yeah. this far. <laughs> yeah. So, like, these guys should probably... To continually escalate. Yeah, realistically have guns, but okay, that's fine. It's, I, I don't give a shit. That's, like, a small thing. Who cares? Yeah. Um, this fight's really cool. They... Uh, in the commentary they also pointed out that when they shoot fight scenes um, I didn't know this was actually very smart they shoot the beginning and end of a fight scene first for security so that even if they have to cut out some choreography or some shots or whatever they know that they have a beginning and end to a scene yeah that makes um, sense it does make a lot of sense I never considered that before but uh, yeah big burly brawl uh, guys running on tables. Yeah, that was a great one. A, com- a comically long table. Yeah. People jump onto yeah. the t- two people jump onto the table yeah. they and they start running run. at each yeah, other. They just run at each and other cut, and cut back and forth between each other while they're yeah. running. They just could. They could just run at each other <laughs> right next to the table. There's enough space. <laughs> they do that for no reason. <laughs> but you yeah. know, it's cool. Rule of cool. So there you go. Uh, the big guy, the big corrupt cop guy in the movie as well also gets involved a little bit in the action in this scene mm-hmm. um but they pointed out like oh this guy's older he has like bad knees or whatever so he was like oh could you guys go light with me on the action and they're like yeah sure and even still he like destroys someone with a chair like again what is it with chairs and like tables in these movies like <laughs> it's just you can break something you else can have something break yeah <laughs> um but yeah big burly brawl good choreography again same stuff we've been talking about this whole time. Then after that is the very final fight scene. Uh, by this point, Eco Wise has found his bu- brother whose uh, character's name is Andy. Yeah. They've kind of like talked it out. Yeah. Like, they, and, like it's yeah. been revealed to the audience, but they kind of just like kind of yeah. outline their kind of yeah. motivations yeah. and like their conflicting yeah. you know, affiliations. Yeah. Stuff like that. And then Andy gets found out as being, you know, helping. Yeah. <laughs> helping his brother. He's here. being tortured by mad dog. Yeah. Eco uh, Wise goes in there. Mad Dog lets him down uh, because as it's been established before, Mad Dog likes fighting people. Uh, he could have shot the other guy that he fought earlier in the movie with a gun, but chose not to. Instead, he chose to kill him with his bare hands. And so Mad Dog decides, you know what? I'm not just going to fight Equal Wise. I'm going to fight this guy, too. 
This guy I've just been torturing. I'm going to fight two guys at the same time. Yep. Because he likes doing that. And, um... Just such a fiend for fighting. He is. And it, you know what? He's again, he sells that he could fight two people and like hold his own. Like this fight, this is like, I think maybe a perfect fight scene in my opinion. Yeah. Or just like, it's because you've had, you've had a lot of the other ones where it's a lot, where it's so many people and there's so many, like there's, it's happening over so much space. Yeah. And then you go into this last one where it's in one room. Yeah. And they're really just, they're, they're it's just three for the physical ability. Yeah, it's like it's not out of it's not insane that this one like OP guy could fight these two other guys, right? Because it's no. like they've all been established as being like pretty good martial artists, right? Iko Elias has gotten like a little beat up by the by this point in the film, but he's still generally okay. Um, so it's just like oh, you they have established these characters and developed them to an extent where you know what's going on in this fight scene. You can understand the stakes, you know? Um, and you can like understand the skill level of everyone involved and like be like, Oh, yeah, you, it's just, you, you have all the preamble and then you can just go in and yeah. with this stuff and it just have it and all. It's, shine. Yeah, it's yeah. just like this insane, like seven or eight minute fight scene, I think. Um, intercut with some plot stuff happening on the side as well with the corrupt cop and the and the crime boss that they're there to capture. Right, because um, like he kind of like gives him an ultimatum, like you yeah. know, like you 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 guys are set up, like you 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 guys. Yeah, the corrupt cop is not in a good position right now. <laughs> the uh, the crime leader is just like, oh, you've been set up. They wanted me to kill you. Blah blah blah. Uh, you're gonna die. And the uh, corrupt cop just decides to kill the crime boss that they came there for. And uh, cuts back to the fight scene. And um, this these guys, they just you know. Eat the shit out of Mad Dog. They stab a light fixture through his neck, and he keeps fighting for like two more minutes. Yeah, and then he does. He just keeps going. Yep. Um, which is again something that is impossible, but who cares? Like you know, so cool, so cool. <laughs> um, and then the corrupt cop ends up getting arrested. Uh, the brothers go their separate ways. There's some brief plot set up for the sequel that happens in, at the very, very end of this movie, which I had forgotten about, which is very weird because the sequel didn't end up coming out for like a while. Um, and that's, that's the raid, basically. It's just a lot of really great action and enough plot and, you know, atmosphere and tone. It has a take. It's a sort it's a horror movie, basically, that just has, happens to also be an action martial arts movie. One of my favorite combinations of any genres ever made. Yeah, because it's just it's just it's just these singular couple people against these just like massive amounts of like yeah. resistance that yeah. they feel like to go so against. So much, and then the sequel is just um, a sprawling crime epic that also <laughs> happens to be a martial arts movie. Um, and I love that movie too. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about that. But yeah, that's the raid. That's the raid, Ethan. You got anything else you want to inject? <laughs> the final thoughts. I mean, I I just. For me, like I, I really liked. I really appreciate this movie. I, 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 I knew, I knew what what it was. I didn't realize how you know small scale it would be, how mm-hmm. scrappy it would be, as if, as I've been saying, and just how like they're, yeah, like how just meticulous it all is, despite all that, to where all the scenes just just flow together so well, to where like it's. It's it is the uh, as I say a lot. It's symphony. It's like every, every, everything's working together. Yeah, to kind of just so like good. throw it all in. I, I liked watching you watch this movie <laughs> because it's just so watching your reactions. Some of the more visceral shit that happens in this movie was fun. 
Because, like, you're, like, usually a more, like, reserved kind of guy. So your reactions were always just like, oh, oh God. Like, that's just, yeah, like, always kid. something very small. The kid caught me off guard. Yeah, man. I mean, there's a few things in this movie that catch people off guard. Like, the kid, like, the big gangrenous wound. Like, you know, uh, there's a scene in an elevator where Andy stabs a guy through the neck. And then, like, the 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 knife like scratches on the wall on the other side of the guy's neck really realistically and like brutally. It's just like little moments in this movie that just like, you know. Oh, I forgot to say the one like best thing, which is like when Eagle Eyes is stuck in the walls, he has to like just keep the knife there mm-hmm. and yeah. not have the knife move yeah. while, while because the, yeah. he found out. So it's literally just like stuck inside yeah. of his face. Yeah. And it's just like, it's like seizing in pain yeah. and trying to stay completely still. Yeah. And just and like quiet. the, the yeah, and quiet and like the, just the, how confined yeah. it is filmed because yeah. it's filmed in and, between walls. Yeah. It's just, it's just so, that's most, that's the most tense It's scene a very movie. tense scene. <laughs> like one of my favorite, like, horror scenes yes. kind of the 2000s for, or 2010s for sure he like also like he grabs the knife and like wipes the blood off as the guy's pulling yeah, the exactly as, as it's slowly coming out so that like yeah. the blood isn't on the knife when the guy pulls out of the wall or else they get found out it's just such a great scene dude like like some of the scenes in this movie are so good even without having a lot to do with martial arts you know um, like, again, the earlier action scenes involving the guns and stuff are also pretty good, you know? And, yeah, this movie, it's just, you know, yeah, just to show. I, I was impressed by that, too. Yeah. About, like, where you go, like, oh, this is Mark Rose movie. Like, okay. And then you go in and it's, like, oh, it's a great, like, you know, gun-based action. Like, oh, this is this is amazing, too. It goes, <laughs> I love how this film, man. I mean, it goes to show if you're in Wales and you're struggling with your film career, just go to Indonesia your wife. Yeah, get a million dollars and make this movie. Yeah. (laughs) Talk to, you know what? Next time you get a phone delivered by somebody, have have a good conversation with that guy. That guy might turn out to be a a martial arts master. Probably not, but you know, if you live in Indonesia, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) Could just pull up, pull up to a local, uh, local center. Yeah. And, you know, see some guys. (laughs) Local, local YMCA. Yeah. <laughs> this is just what the YMCA's in Indonesia are like. It's just you go in, it's just like. Bah, bah, bah. I, I was referring to the where you practice martial arts. Uh, also, the YMCA. But well, I mean, you know, you know, you can rent out a room in a YMCA. Sure. Yeah, a little you know conference center or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. We used to practice martial arts at our. Uh, I used to do taekwondo. They we uh, at one point were renting out uh, a space in a in a local Chabad. Uh, church, a local Jewish church, um, not temple. It was like literally like Chabad of Southwest Ranches or something. That's what it was called. Um, and it was just like this conference room. It was really funny. Yeah, I have a Chabad about three minutes from my house. Oh, nice. Very cool. Yeah. But is there martial arts going on? Uh, no. For sure? <laughs> no martial arts. Might be. How do you know? <laughs> oh, also something else happened at that Chabad that I'll tell you off mic that uh, I don't want to say on this podcast. Well, there you, there you have it, folks. You'll never get to know. You'll never get to know. But thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Uh, as well, always, we will intro it. the next one yes. for a couple minutes after yeah. this. So, my next pick. We're going a little bit, um, a little bit more commercial for this one. I mean, it's it's still it's still a movie for adults. It's still like a uh, movie with like you know. Adult themes, mm-hmm. like you know, you're not going to see your favorite, uh, you know, clean shaven uh, 
a superhero. You're seeing a, 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 a gruff 40 year old man uh, fight some people. <laughs> yeah. And that is, of course, the uh, as, as we are continuing at 1992. My next pick will be. Patriot Games. Let's go! It's directed by the man, Philip Noyce, and starring Harrison Ford as Jack Ryan. Okay. The 90s Jack Ryan franchise. Such a weird franchise. Like, it never happens before, where it's just, it just changes course from a completely different movie, recasts the actor, makes, them, makes it even higher budget, and it makes a shit ton of money. And then they make another one with the same brain trust. And they, it, they spend even more money on it, and it makes even more money. It's yep. insane. It shouldn't happen like this. Uh, if you adjust the budgets, it's, like, insane amount of money, uh, especially for something that's, like, you know, today today would be, like, without remorse. I don't know, I don't know if without, without remorse was a – I mean, so it's also Jack Ryan. But, yeah. But I don't know if that was a uh, – Well, the Jack Ryan thing that's been happening in more recent years is also really weird because they did Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. Yeah, which was a that's another one. Judge by our man, Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, <laughs> which is another thing. And then, like, they just didn't touch the Jack Ryan shit for so long. And then they did the series on Amazon, which they're still doing. Office Gym, maybe. Yeah, Office Gym. <laughs> and uh, then they just did a Without Remorse movie. That, like, I don't think that one's a Jack Ryan novel. I think that's just a Tom Clancy. But I think it might have, like, something to do with the universe. You know what I mean? I think so. Um, yeah. Oh, they, because, like, Amazon bought us. Right? Yeah. That, that, that's one of the many uh, one of the many <laughs> casualties where it's like, hey, uh, <laughs> hey uh, struggling traditional movie studio, would you like us to buy our, your finished movie from you for pro- for, for content on yeah. our, pl- our streaming platform? <laughs> sure, man. So that's why we have Michael B. Jordan without remorse. Yep. Uh, on Amazon. That's why we have a few movies. Like are, many. Many movies. <laughs> and many to come. Yep. Ah, oh, dude. I'm excited for this. This is a Patriot Games. They did, they made a clear and present danger movie yes. with well, Pierce and that's what I, That's what I was talking about. Okay, that's, yeah. That was, was three movies. That was a sequel, yeah. Yeah, it was. It and was, then they tried to reboot it again. Yeah. In like the early 2000s. Who, who was Jack Ryan? Oh, my God. There have been so many. They tried to reboot it again, and then they did uh, Kenneth Branagh version. Yeah. That was the one with one of our finest filmmakers. What's 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 his name? Was that Chris Pine was in that movie? Ivan Chris Pine. (sighs) So anyway, yeah. Patriot Games. We'll get back to you on that. Get ready. We're doing it. Get ready to experience the games. Got some IRA. Also, I guess I'll say this because we'll lead in because we're kind of like connecting these. to the another movie on my canon that I picked out for this year also involves the troubles in the IRA. So uh, for my next pick as well, we'll be talking about the best picture, one of the best picture nominees from the year, uh, Neil Jordan's The Crying Game. Oh, nice! And uh, after uh, clear, not clear, after Patriot Games, we're doing and just to link up with that, we are talking about The Raid Two. Oh, so we got our slate. Let's and we're connected to Slate. It's almost like we planned that. Yeah, it's like we're Kevin Feige up in the PowerPoint presentation. Let's go. Like, well, here, instead of mapping out five years of Marvel films, we're mapping out four weeks yeah. of podcasts. Two duologies, <laughs> one of which is much more loosely connected than the other, but still works. Still works. Oh, hey. it's the sum of all fears with Ben Affleck. That ben, was the other Jack Ryan. Yeah, that was, the, that was the one. I forgot this movie existed. I love Ben Affleck, baby. And Morgan Freeman. Look at this poster. 
Look at how serious it is. It's very serious. <laughs> They're both, their, their faces are in shadow. <laughs> all the missiles are pointing at the sky. <laughs> yes, they are. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's why Kenneth Branagh had to revive the franchise again because, you know, that movie happened. Yeah. Um, why does Ben Affleck look so old on that poster? Um, I don't know. You know? He looks like he's 50. Yeah. This is our friend Tommy, by What a guy. Hi, Tommy. Hi, I'm Tommy. What a guy, yeah. Ben Affleck. He lives here. How's it going? Not Ben Affleck. Tommy lives here. Ben Affleck does not live here. I mean, maybe he does. Maybe yeah, Ben Affleck like, lives in the basement. Yeah, maybe he's just like in the basement <laughs> or like in the walls or something. I don't know. <laughs> he's like Bruno from Encanto. Oh, fuck no. All right. He lives in the walls. All right. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. We're done. We're, we're, we've been tattled around too much. Yep. Tune in next week for Patriot Games. I don't know. Bye-bye. Ethan signing off. Yes. Nathaniel also signing off. See you next week. See you next week. Have a good life. Have a good life. Bye-bye. Good old ever again. Yes.